Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's podcast. We appreciate you joining us. Just a few minutes, we're going to be going into the message that I preached yesterday morning here at Cross Point, entitled, When Heaven Has a Need, and we referenced Mark chapter 11, and so we're excited to bring that to you. I wanted to have just a little bit of a discussion about this uh, today, and so I'm joined by our youth pastor, the one, the only, Michael Hayden Tadlock. Uh, If I had some applause, the applause (laughs) would be going right there. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. also my son, and so he's. We're, I'm excited to have him with me nearly every day, uh, working side by side in ministry. And we wanted to just talk for just a few minutes just about this message and, and what the Holy Spirit was speaking concerning, you know, really just giving ourselves over to be used of the Lord. Oftentimes we think of um, that th- some things can only be accomplished you know, as far as church services, the preacher, uh, the worship leader, those kind of things. But, but really, in all actuality, this brings it down to us in our own homes. You know, you've been married now just a little over a year, uh, still on in the honeymoon. But learning that you, and I, I see the smirk on your face on that part, but learning that you as a husband, your first ministry is at home and heaven has a need, or is your wife rather, heaven has a need for you to be a godly husband and, and to lead your wife uh, as as the priest of the home. And so um, that's really where we were going yesterday and where we were. I believe the Holy Spirit was trying to stir us up. But when we think about you know those that would be listening to this podcast, whether it is uh, teenagers or single men, single women, married men uh, and women, or um, you know even say widows, uh, grandparents, parents, there's so many that could be listening to this that may be saying, "How can I be used of God? You know what can I do?" And from a youth pastor's perspective, um, what would you say right now? How would you challenge a teenager right now to be used of the Lord? I'd give them a toilet brush and a, <laughs> and a big old bundle of Lysol. And well, I did say that yesterday, you know, <laughs> and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, I mean, as far as, um, you know, at their schools. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Sharing Jesus daily and even if it's not at church. Yeah, they're at the schools, being at home. On the ball you know, field, the basketball yep. court. Yeah, yep. there's know. just such a need right there, especially for young people now to be used. And now is the time. Um, it, it's just it, it's a great opportunity. Well, there's, there's, young, there's young people, there's students that will, may never go to church. And so we have to be the hands of the Lord extended. And that teenage young lady or teenage young man, you know, sharing Jesus in all the practical parts of life, you know, at the lockers, in the classroom, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in the dugout. I mean, that's that's really what's got to happen. There's a need. Heaven needs some Holy Ghost-filled young people that will share Jesus. And then Amen. when we, we go a little bit further and we talk about even as adults, um, you know, imagine what the church would be today. Not just cross point, but the church as a whole, you know, every church that is even in our community, if every one of us was taking this so personal that we want to be used of God and we see that heaven needs us to be the hands of Jesus extended. I mean, that's that is that's a powerful thing. And if we ever take that to heart, 
it wouldn't be just souls getting saved in church services. It'd be us winning souls day in, day out, all around through our communities. Amen. And that's really what we want to see happen. So um, let's go into this message now. Stay with us afterwards because we've got some announcements and things like that that we're going to bring to you uh, concerning all that the Lord's doing here at Crosspoint and things that are going on. And so please join us afterwards. But for now, let's go into this message entitled, When Heaven Has a Need. Afterwards, we'll have prayer and, uh, like I said, just a little bit more conversation. So God bless you. Stay with us. Hope this blesses you. Mark chapter 11. We're there. All right. Verse number one is where we're going to start reading. Mark chapter 11, great passage of Scripture. Verse number one. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent forth two of his disciples. And he said unto them, Go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as you be entered into it, you shall find a colt tied, whereon never a man, never a man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye, do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him. And straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met. And they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, Why, What do you loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees, and strawed them in the way. And they that went before, and they that followed, cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple, and when he had looked around about all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. I want you to go back with me, if you would. Verse number three is where the Lord would have us look today. He's dealt with me on this thought all week long led me to this passage of Scripture, and I believe it's so befitting today with it being Palm Sunday. And this is the reference of Palm Sunday right here in Mark 11. But look at verse 3, and if any man say unto you, Why do you this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him. Say that the Lord hath need of him. I want to talk to you for just a little bit this morning on this thought. When heaven has a need. When heaven has a need. Help me pray for the Lord to come and anoint us. Lord, we thank you for this great time of worship. Thank you for how you've already ministered, how you've already touched us, how you've already moved over us today, Lord. And God, our desire is for your presence to fill this place, for your glory, Lord, to rain down in this tabernacle today. We ask you, Lord, for the rain of your presence even now. Lord, throughout this room, in this place, we ask you, Almighty God, to walk in this midst of this candlestick from one side to the other, from the front to the back. And God, grip our hearts today. I ask you, God, for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to arrest us today. Draw us into your presence here and now. 
We ask you for revival in our lives. We ask you, God, for a stirring in our spirits. Take us back, Lord, to where we started as we open up our hearts to you today. We ask you, Lord, to help us break out of the mold. Help us to break out of the formality. And help us, Lord, to come back fully to a place of surrender and willingness and obedience unto you. Help us to come back to a place of total freedom in our lives, Lord, that we can be used of you. We ask you, Almighty God, to take full control here and now. Use me as a vessel in your hand. I'm nothing without you. Flow through me, touch through me, speak through me, Lord. I need you more than ever. Have your way. We'll give you praise and glory and honor. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Before you're seated, turn to two or three folks and tell them heaven has a need. Heaven has a need. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. Today is... We celebrate Palm Sunday, the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem some seven days before the crucifixion and before the resurrection. We find that this story in the book of Mark is one that I know you've heard before, but it's, it's one that many times if we're not careful, we'll pass over and not see the, just the, the, the treasures that we can find in this passage In verse 3, the Bible says that Jesus told the disciples, the Lord hath need of him. You know today that each and every one of us many times in our frail human lives, in our frail existence as humans, we don't stop to think and sometimes even consider beyond our own lives and beyond our own circumstances and beyond our own situations, beyond what our own needs are, but We don't stop to consider the need of the Lord. Our carnal nature pushes us to focus on what our desires are, what our needs are, what our passions are, what our wants are. And the truth is today that our carnal nature that is, it's so present within each and every one of us, that carnal nature is what at a a minimum tries to push us to the place that it keeps us just outside the fullness of our calling and the fullness of God's plan, the fullness of God's will for our lives, or even worse, it tries to drive us into a place of sin, in a place to fulfill the lust and the desires of the flesh. But today, if we will stop and consider the question, does heaven have need of us? If we will stop and ask our own selves the question, does heaven have need of us? Possibly the Holy Spirit will bring an answer into our soul that can be transformational. It's important today to understand that Satan would have us believe a a twisted truth A twisted truth that says, no, God does not need you. I've even been guilty through the years of saying that God doesn't need us, we need him. But the reality today is this, and the truth is that God does need us. But if we aren't willing, he will raise up somebody else. If we aren't willing and obedient vessels, he will raise up somebody else. 
He doesn't need us in the sense of us needing oxygen to live. He doesn't need in the sense of us needing blood for our heart to beat. But he needs us in these last days to be his hands extended unto a lost and dying generation. I want you to ask yourself this question, does heaven need me? Turn to your neighbor and ask them the question, does heaven need you? Does heaven need you? Here in Mark chapter 11, we read the account of what is called this triumphant entry as we've already referenced. And this particular day, as I've already mentioned, was was the week before the, the resurrection of our Savior. It would be in this week's time that he would do some of the most astounding things that we read in Scripture, such as the washing of the feet, the Last Supper. All these different things took place within these last seven days. The Garden of Gethsemane, the, the scourging, the crucifixion, all of this happened up to this point. But understand when we read here that something had to happen before Jesus ever made it to the cross. And that was one more fulfillment of prophecy. And we read it in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9 where the prophet said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king comes unto you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon a donkey and upon a colt, in, uh, upon a colt, the foal of a donkey. You see, we find when we read this passage that the Lord needed this cult, this cult, so all things would be fulfilled. Stay with me now. So all of prophecy would be fulfilled. It was the cult that cult that carried Jesus into Jerusalem. It was his humble entrance that was needed to foretell of his humble submission upon the cross. Surely Jesus as the Son of God could have reserved unto himself the greatest stallion in the land, the one fit for a king of his nature. But he chose rather the lowliest of the animals, the colt, the foal of a donkey. Not just a colt, but one that no man had ever sat upon. How many of you know today that the Bible says that God likes to choose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise? Amen, stay with me. I want us, if we can, to shift our focus to just verse 3. The Lord hath need of him. When they went to get the colt, they found the colt tied. Tied at the door. It was a place where two, two ways met. And it was a place of transition. And it was there where the colt was tied that the men spoke only what the Lord commanded them and said, the Lord has need of him. And it was there that they loosed the colt and the colt was taken with them unto Jesus. When the colt got back to Jesus, when the colt got to Jesus, the disciples took their garments and laid their garments upon that colt. Jesus got on the colt and began the journey. I doubt that he straddled the colt. He probably sat sideways. I don't know. But as he was on the road to Jerusalem, people began to gather and they took palm branches and began to lay them down in front of him along with their garments. And as Jesus passed by, they began to cry out, Hosanna, 
in the highest. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. The Lord had need of him. You see, today when we search through scriptures, we find occasion after occasion that the Lord needed a vessel. The Lord needed a man. In the Garden of Eden, he needed Adam. He needed a man to tend to it. We find to spare future generations. He needed a man named Noah to build an ark to save his family and to provide for that of future generations. To multiply his people, he needed a pure and obedient man named Abraham with whom he could make a covenant and promise a blessing. To provide for his people in the worst famine, he needed a Joseph that would endure a pit left for dead and he would endure a prison in the darkness so he could be elevated to the palace and become the second in the land because of God's wisdom and revelation in order to save God's chosen people. When he was ready to bring his people out of Egyptian bondage, he used a burning bush to reveal unto a stuttering and humble man named Moses that he would be the vessel that would go and stand before Pharaoh to declare, let my people go. When he wanted the Red Sea to part, he needed a Moses that'd be willing to stretch his rod out over the waters. As we continue to go and comb through scriptures, we find that the Lord, to lead, in order to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, that he needed a Joshua and a Caleb. In order to restore the light of the Lord and bring a fresh word of God back to the land again, he needed a Hannah that would pray through till she birthed a Samuel. And when we find that the word of God was no longer in the land and Ichabod had been declared, he raised up a man named Samuel, the son of Hannah, to anoint the next king of Israel. And he needed a man that could hear the voice of the Lord when the Lord said, that's not him. And he didn't pour the oil out on the chosen vessel until the Lord said so. The Lord needed a man named Samuel to anoint the king named David. You see, to save Mordecai and the Jewish people, we find that he needed an Esther to become queen. And Esther elevated and raised to the, to, to the position of queen in order to be able to appeal to the king for such a time as this. Over and over and over, time after time, we find that heaven would have a need and the Lord would find a willing vessel. Are you hearing me today? When the Lord, when he knew that he would need a strong vessel to lead the way after Pentecost, he began working on Simon Peter. When he needed a man that would be the voice of the gospel under the Gentiles, he revealed himself under one named Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus telling him that it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Saul would surrender. He'd find himself blind. He'd find himself wondering what's next. But when the Lord needed a man, he moved upon one named Ananias to go and anoint this Saul of Tarsus known as a murderer and a persecutor of Christians because the Lord said he is a chosen vessel unto me. And when Ananias anointed him, the scales fell from his eyes. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and Saul of Tarsus became 
became the Apostle Paul and was used to become the greatest missionary of all times. Why? Because heaven had a need. Let's go back to Peter for just a moment. We find in Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. I want us to look at that because you see here is a Peter. Here is a Peter called Simon, Simon Peter. Oh, it was some time after Revelation had come to Peter of who Jesus was. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But now Jesus is telling Simon Peter that Satan desires to have you so he can sift you. We all know we've talked about sifting before. It means to, to shake in a strainer. It means to create an inward agitation for us to apply it to our own lives. It's an inward agitation that comes to try one's faith to the verge of overthrow. Hear me now. Satan desired to have Peter. This sifting that was taking place See, I, I remember years ago hearing Brother Dallas Pettis talk about the sifting. And I remember him saying that sifting changes the consistency of something. Sifting changes the, the character of something. But sifting does not change the substance of anything. If Jesus is in you, if you'll just hold on to Jesus, when you come out on the other side, you're going to have more of Jesus than you've ever had before. You might be going through a sifting now, but I want you to know what the devil is meaning to do destroy you. God wants to turn it around for your good. I, oh, I said God wants to turn it around for your good. Peter went through the sifting because the Lord needed him and yet the devil wanted him. We don't like to think about that, do we? Fighting battles because the devil wants us. That's not something you really want to hear anybody tell you, but I want you to turn to your neighbor now and tell him the devil wants you. The devil wants you. See, I believe we need to bring that into perspective, Brother Steve. We need to bring that into reality. Well, I think that might help us understand a little bit more of the battle and the struggle that we're in. Is that at the end of the day that it's really because the Lord needs us and the devil wants us. Now, obviously, the Lord wants us more than the enemy could ever hope to. Could Come on, can I get an amen out of that? Did he not lay his life down just for us but there's a need and Satan knows that the Lord has a need for somebody to step in as a willing and obedient vessel and therefore the Satan's going to do all he can as the adversary of our soul to war against us. He wants us. He wants to destroy us. He wants to bring us to our place of demise but hearing me today when I am facing this difficulty in my life and I'm going through a sifting it's because the Lord is using what I'm facing to try to work something out of me so he can put something in me because there's something greater than where I'm at. There's a greater work. There's a greater calling. There's something that God wants me to do and that's why the devil is fighting. He knows if he can keep me in struggle, if he can keep me in the battle, if, he's, if he can keep me agitated on the inside, 
tired. He'll keep me down and discouraged and depressed. But the moment I realize that the Lord is going to use me, that this battle isn't for naught, that this trial isn't for nothing, that what I'm in now, I'm going to come through on the other side and the Lord is going to use me greatly. Ah, help me, Holy Ghost. You see, Peter, this very one that was being sifted, stay with me. He said in 1 Peter 1, verse 6 and 7, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I just want to know who's in this place today that wants your life to be found unto praise and honor and glory. Come on. Well, can I tell you today, Jesus isn't coming back for some broke down pitiful excuse of a church. He's coming back for a bride that has made themselves spotless in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, and I'm, I may have to go through some things and face some struggles and some battles, but let there still be a praise on my lips. Let there still be a praise in my heart. Let there still be a shout in my soul that if I'm in a place of need, I'm going to praise him that he's still my provider. If I'm in a place of sickness, I'm going to praise him that he's still my healer. If I find myself in the bondage or struggle of this life, I'm going to praise him that he's still my deliverer and may my life give him honor and give him glory. May my life shout unto his name and praise him for who he is. Hallelujah. Anybody here want to be found unto praise and honor and glory? Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I like what Peter said there. He said, though now for a season, would you say those four words, now for a season? now for a season song years ago used to say the trial that you're in the, the chorus said it didn't come to stay it came to pass what you're in right now is not going to last forever if your faith is being tried if your faith is being tested I want to ask you are you passing the test are you passing the test hear me now he said, go now for a season if need be. Oh, if need be, you're going to go through something. You're going to face something. Now listen to me now. There are sometimes we go through things that are self-inflicted. There are sometimes we go through things that we're causing, that it's our own poor choices that has brought on us. And if that ends up being where you're at, then you need to get back on track. Get on your face before God. Repent over it. Ask the Lord to forgive you. If you stepped out of his will and you did something in disobedience or sin, get it under the blood of Jesus and pick yourself up and ask the Lord to order your steps out of where you are. There's been times in our life and Sister Amy will tell you that we didn't know the steps going forward in situation in the situation we knew where we felt the Lord wanted to take us but we didn't see how to get there. And you know what, what we came to? That sometimes it's just small steps of obedience. When the Lord says step here and so you step there and you find that you're sure footed, you're standing on solid ground and then he says 
footstep here and we have found again and again and again that the way to get out of the wilderness is to obey your way out. Let the light and fire of God lead you in the nighttime. Let the cloud of his glory lead you in the daytime. But stay humble and stay willing unto the Lord that what you're in. See, I've been in a place before that I said, Lord, I want to learn my lesson now because I don't ever want to go through this again. I don't ever want to have to go back through this wilderness. I don't ever want to have to face this again. I want to learn that that you want me to learn right now. If need be, you're in heaviness. You see, Jesus prayed, I have, or said, I have prayed for you that your faith fail not, that your faith won't fail. Anybody glad in this place today that we still have an intercessor? Amen. If your heart shout amen. But I want you to notice what he said. He said, when you are converted. That word converted in the Greek means to revert. It means to come again. To turn oneself about. To return. You almost could say to put it in reverse. You ever went in the wrong direction before? You ever made the wrong step before? And you needed to put it in reverse. When you are converted. Not if, Peter. When. When you are converted. You may go through something in your life that causes you to lose ground. Causes you to lose time. But to go in reverse in your life, that's where you've got to be. That I know I've stepped in the wrong direction. Maybe it, you've stepped into things not intentionally, but you're there in your life. And maybe it's a place of doubt. Maybe it's a place of discouragement, but that's where you are. You got to put it in reverse and back up towards the cross and say, I refuse to dwell and live in that land of depression. I'm backing away from it. I'm turning back unto my Lord. Maybe it's you have stepped into a place of sin. Maybe you've, you've stepped into a place of disobedience. You've got to turn back unto the Lord in your heart and in your life. You've got to make up your mind that you are going to turn back unto the Lord. I love what he said. When you are converted, I've got something I need you to do, Peter. I know you're going to go through a sifting. I know you're going to face some struggles. I know you're going to go through a battle. I know you're going to go through hard times and low times and dry times. I know you're going to face the time that before the rooster crows, you'll have denied me three times. I know that on a Saturday, the silent Saturday, you're going to hide yourself, Peter. I know that's where you're going to be. But there's going to come a moment that there's going to be a change in you. And when that change comes and when you're converted, I need you to do something, Peter. Get up out of that place that you're in. Get up out of wallowing in self-pity. Get up out of the depression. Get up out of the discouragement. Get up out of the weariness. Get up out of the hurt and the pain. Get up, Peter, and go and strengthen your brethren. I need you, Peter. Strengthen the brethren. Peter would go on to do just that, a strong, powerful, mighty vessel of the Lord for the early church, and he was used to spread the gospel around the world. Now I want to say to you that if you stand up and leave me during this message when it's 11.25 we're going to know the Holy Ghost has put his target on you today. 
I'm just saying. I know some end up having to leave when we have events and things like that going on, but I'm going to tell you something. I believe the Holy Spirit's got a word for somebody in this place, and he's trying his best to cause somebody to, to wake up and realize that the Lord needs you. That ought to change our perspective. Let's bring it down to where we're living today. Heaven needs you. You see this story of the cult. This cult was divinely prepared. He was born for that moment. He was born for that time. He was divinely positioned. He was in the right place at the right time. And he was divinely empowered. He'd never done what he was fixing to do. He had never been used before. Nobody had ever sat on him. Nobody had ever tried to ride him. How many of you know with the Lord there's a first time for everything? Amen. The Lord wants to do the same with each of us today. He wants to divinely prepare you for the work. Well, Pastor, I don't feel the call to preach. I don't feel the call to sing. Who said we was talking about any of that? Because let me tell you where some of the greatest callings are is in the home. The Lord needs some godly mamas today. The Lord needs some godly daddies today. The, no, the Lord needs some godly men and some godly women. The Lord needs some godly teenagers up in their schools. Are you hearing me? The Lord needs some preteens, 11 and 12 years old in their schools. The Lord needs some godly grandparents today. You see, my first calling has nothing to do with you. I was called first in my own mind to preach that was the first calling that I ever experienced. But I took on a higher calling when I got married on February 18th, 1994 to the most beautiful woman in the world when I married my sweet baby right there. When I became her hunk of bunk of burning love on February 18th, 1994, she became my number one ministry. And when my son was born on August 9th, he became my second ministry. And then when my daughter was born on June 6th, she became part of that second ministry. It's my wife, it's my children, and my family. And then, I'm sorry that some may not like this, but then it is the church. I understand today that my pre the preaching and the calling on my life goes hand to hand because God didn't just call me, he called my entire family. But what I, the point I'm trying to make to you today is that some folks have their eyes more in the lights and wanting to be in a limelight position and, and a pat on the back and have a title when God is saying, what about in your own home? I need you in your home. I need you with your friends. I need you on your job. I need you in the school. Nobody wants to say amen to that, but that is the reality. You see, amen. When we look at this, God used, the Lord used a colt that nobody had ever ridden on, tied up at a door where two ways met. And the disciples went and said the Lord has need of them. And when, the, when that declaration was made, the ones that had tied the colt up 
had to loose the colt. Hear me now. Had to loose the colt for the colt to be able to go to fulfill that that the Lord needed. Now what I want you to grab a hold of that uh, with all of that is this. That there may be some here today that you've been tied up in a doorway where two ways meet. And maybe you feel like you're in an intersection and life has been put on hold and you don't know why you've been tied to this moment. Why is it that you can't seem to gain traction? Why can't you gain ground? Why can't you do more than what you're doing? Why can't you be more than you're being? But there's a call that's coming from the Lord unto your life today and he's saying, I need you. I need you. He may never call you unto the land of Africa or some other foreign continent but he's called you for right here in this moment he's saying I need you and listen to me when the Lord calls if you'll just surrender the devil's got no choice but let you go and loose you so you can be used of all help me Holy Ghost I may have to go through a sifting in the process carrying the greatest treasure on planet earth, carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ. What does the greatest damage in this world is hypocrites. People that say they're one thing and live another way. Why would we think that we wouldn't face sifting? Why would we think we wouldn't face struggles, trials, battles, and things? Why would we think that we're better than that? Listen, and we've all said it, we've all seen it, we've all looked at it, that it's when we go through those times of breaking that we experience our greatest breakthrough. If I've never been sick, I wouldn't know him as the healer, never had a need, wouldn't know him as the provider, never been bound, wouldn't know him as the deliverer. If I've never been lost, I wouldn't know him as my redeemer. But when I've been through those things, I can tell somebody else about my Jesus. Hallelujah. I can tell somebody else about the one that reached way down in the pit of sin and pulled me out and if he did it for me he'll do it for them and he needs somebody that'll be that voice he's trying to prepare you for something he's trying to position you divinely position you for something who we are in this life who is in our lives it must be something that you consider I find it interesting all the time there's people that are working jobs and they'll talk about how nobody on their job is saved and everybody is just, oh, just evil. I mean, to hear their stories and all they talk about, I just can't handle it anymore. I'm praying that God have put me on a job with a bunch of Christians. Why would he do that? Don't you think he's got you there for a reason? Nobody, thank you, brother. Nobody, nobody wants wants to own up to that. But listen, if the Lord was to move you, who's going to be the light in the darkness? He needs you to step up, break out some anointing oil when nobody else is there. Anoint the bottom of that desk chair that they sit in every day. Hide a, hide a prayer cloth behind the desk. Start rebuking the devil and claiming this thing is going to turn around. Maybe God's got you there to be the light in the darkness that those folks can hear about Jesus. Wake up now. Divinely positioned. This morning as I was praying about this and I've had some 
conversations recently with some men that are filling the role of dad. They are dad to children. And in that marriage, and we'll just call it a, a blended family where it was children from a previous marriage. And, and, and I've had conversations with dad that, that they're not fulfilling that role as, as what is called a stepdad. And they're filling that role as a dad, a spiritual leader, a spiritual head. When it's not easy to make decisions, they're making them. When it's not easy to stand their ground, they're standing it. Listen to me. Understand that you've got to recognize that God has put you. He's divinely positioned you where he needs you. Are you fulfilling that that he needs? Are you being who he needs and what he needs in that situation? All across this gymnasium, throughout this place, understand that the Lord is trying to position you for something. Why does it shock us when people that are in sin and living in the world act like those that are in sin and living in the world. Are you hearing me? I, I sat this past week at a place of business uh, with an owner of the business and a man come up and begin to talk. And when he began to talk, he began to drop some bombs, if you know what I'm talking about. And I just sat there just looking, just smiling. He needed Jesus and I knew that. I've worked on some construction sites over the past few years and, and I'll tell you, Brother Clint, I'll tell you, you come up on some places, woo, it'd make a sailor blush. You know what I'm talking about? But I just sat there. I, I didn't take my Bible out, beat him over the head with it, and say, thou sinner, thou art on thy way to hell. You know what I did? I sat there. I just smiled. Next thing I know, the person sitting next to me said, yeah, this is, this is Michael Tadlock, and he's managing our properties, and also, he's planting a church in Ponce de Leon, and all of a sudden, that potty mouth went, and dried up. Listen to me. I, it didn't shock me. It shouldn't shock us when somebody that doesn't know Jesus acts like somebody that doesn't know Jesus. What we need to do is recognize that God is divinely positioning us for the moment. Now we all have our place that we've taken as much as we can take. I like how my brother-in-law approaches it. He asks them, do you kiss your mama with that mouth? And eventually they dry up and it stops. But the reality is this understand today that God brings people into our lives that are hurting that are broken that are wounded that are lost we've been called to be the bride of Christ the church in these last days and he's divinely positioning us to be his hands extended divinely positioning us not only divinely positioning us he wants to divinely empower us, just like the cult, to do things we've never done before, to be used in ways we've never been used before, to be the one that carries Jesus to the people that the people that, that behold Jesus, not us, they weren't laying them garments down before the colt and saying, oh, thou great and wonderful colt. No, they weren't waving them palm branches saying, Hosanna to the colt. Colt. I can hardly say it. But they were waving them branches and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. See, when we will allow ourselves to be used of God, when we allow ourselves to be surrendered to what he 
needs. People are not going to look at us. They're not going to see us. They're going to see the Jesus that is there in our lives. They're going to see the King of Kings being a triumphant entry into their life. And they'll be drawn to a place of worship and praise unto him. Hallelujah. He'll empower us. He'll fill us so he can use us. Let me get some musicians back up here. You see, today, I begin to hear the Lord speak that in my spirit. And I, it's almost counterintuitive because we, we've all been made to feel. And it's not a, a, a dependence thing as far as he needs us to be God. It's, it's not like that. It's no, he needs us to be willing and obedient vessels he can use. It's amazing to me. Some will say, I want to be used to the Lord, but yet their life doesn't back that up. I'm going to be straight up with you. If you've not realized how he needs you in your own home, you'll never realize how he needs you elsewhere. The folks that really know you are those that live with you. How many of you know that's the truth? That's those that have to put up with you. And I've always said you've never really loved somebody till you've had to put up with somebody. Go ahead and just tell your neighbor, I'm putting up with you. I am putting up with you. <laughs> you know why? Because you, you love each other, right? How many of you have some friends that you just put up with? Come on, let's just be honest. Don't, don't point at each other now. <laughs> but the reality is this, church, listen to me. Folks that live with you, they know you. They know your attitude. They know your temperament. They know how you act when you get mad. They know how you act when things don't go your way. <laughs> easy, easy. They know what you do and what you don't do. They're with you. See, that's the first place that the Lord wants to use us. Some of you, maybe you're single, you live by yourself, okay? And I, and I understand that. And, and if, that's, if that's where you are, where you are then, then you need to apply this to those that are around you, the closest ones to you. They know you. The ones that you let your guard down in front of. We all have our days and our moments, right? None of us are perfect, right? And somebody said, well, you know better than that. But our family knows us. See, if I haven't ministered to my family, I have no business ministering to you. If I've not stood in between the forces of hell and my family, how dare I try to stand between you and the forces of hell? This is where it starts. Why would we ever think that me as a pastor can, can pray over you at this altar for healing when I don't lay hands on my own wife and pray for her healing or my daughter or my son? See, we oftentimes feel like 
The church is the answer. I want to tell you something. The church is not the answer. The church has a lot of problems. The church has a lot of religion. Jesus is the answer. And the true bride of Christ recognizes he needs us to be his hands extended. It's not about how many attends because there are places that have thousands that are deader than the closest cemetery to here. It's not about that. I believe that if we're doing what God's called us to do and being who God's called us to be, that we're going, the numbers we're going to be concerned about is who's getting saved in these altars. And if you've gotten saved in the last several months or rededicated your, la- your life in the, in the last several months, we want to have a baptism service. We don't want to delay it. The water's getting warm enough now. It might still be a little chilly, but we want to find some kind of little baptism hole somewhere, Emerge Pastor, that we can get it set up, that we can put some folks under, quote the 109, we ain't going to do that, but we're going to baptize them and and believe that that it's a point of faith in their life, a public confession of their faith. If it wasn't important, Jesus wouldn't have commanded us to do it. It doesn't save us, but it further solidifies our commitment unto him by us saying we want the whole world to know what Jesus has done in our life. Imagine what it would be like in here If we all left out of here today, going with a mission in our hearts and in our minds to those that are in our our lives, our friends, our families, our co-workers, our neighbors, and we knew in our hearts and in our spirits that God wants to use us to reach them. Not some pastor somewhere, not some church down the road, but God wants to use us individually. Well, we're just supposed to get them to church so they can get saved. I pray if you get them here that God will do the rest. But what if they get killed on Saturday night? That's why when you have opportunity, don't be ashamed to share the gospel. Don't be scared to share the gospel. Well, pastor, I just don't know everything to say. Do you know how you got saved? If you don't know how you got saved, then we need to make another trip down to the altar. Because if you know how you got saved, you know what changed your life. And that's all you've got to know to be able to lead somebody to Jesus. If you're truly converted and born again, tell them what you did and what the Lord's done in you. You ain't got to quote a dozen scriptures. Just lead them to the cross and the foot of Jesus. Next Sunday... I pray this place is overflowing with people. And I pray 50 get saved next week. Maybe that's too low, huh? 100. God can save by many or by few. So who are you going to bring? Well, I just don't really like to invite people to church. There's somebody in your life that heaven needs you to reach. Michael Tadlock may can never reach them. These other ministers may can never reach them. The pastor down the road may can never reach them, but God's done something in you that he wants to use you to reach them. Why are we here, church? 
we're not here to pat each other on the back every time we come together. Yeah, we're, we come to exhort each other. We come to edify the, the name of the Lord. We come to edify each other. And that's all reality. But I'm going to tell you something. There's not some new births in these altars. We're missing the mark. Every true move of God is marked by souls being saved. God help us to be stirred into action. Listen, if your mentality is it's all about you, it's all about what I want, and, and, and little you, a little selfish you gets mad and upset if things don't go your way, you're in the wrong place. Find you another place to serve. Because what we need is some folks that'll put self on the back burner and Jesus at the forefront and say, I just want to reach somebody for the Lord. I just want to make a difference in somebody's life I want to be the Lord's hands extended well they didn't sing my song well I didn't get asked to teach well I didn't get asked to do this I didn't get asked to do that go somewhere else to church because God is trying to raise some people up in here and it's not about us if you want to do something grab a toilet brush for crying out loud and let's see if you truly want to serve I ain't cleaning no toilets then take a seat brother because if you ain't willing to clean the toilet you ain't stepping behind this pulpit because God is walking to raise people up and recognize he needs you in these last days. I'm willing to be a cult if Jesus are right on me. I just want to be used of him. I'm a nothing. I'm a nobody. I love how Pastor Rayleigh put it. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about a somebody that'll save anybody. Turn to your neighbor, tell them I'm just a nobody. I'm just a nobody. I'm just the colt. I'm just the colt. And I might not mean much to anybody else, but Jesus said, go get that colt and bring it. That colt's been born for this moment, for this time. There are moments in my life I felt like I should have been born 30 and 40 years earlier. My father-in-law has said the same thing because we're old-fashioned Pentecostal preachers. We're not prim and proper. We get loud. We get excited. We spit. When we start preaching, we're liable to jump on the altar. We're liable to run the aisles but I want to tell you something I'll be a cult in these last days I'll be a nobody if I can bring somebody to the one that'll save anybody he needs you today to be willing just to be willing just to be willing the book of Isaiah chapter 6 says, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Oh, at the glory of God to fill this place. Anybody else hungry and thirsty for his glory just to fill this place? Hallelujah. He said, and above it stood, if I can read it, above it stood the seraphims. Each one 
had six wings. With two wings, he covered his face. And with two, he covered his feet. And with two, he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. In that moment, prophet Isaiah, beholding the glory of the Lord, said this, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then, flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. You see today, it's amazing how when we just get in his presence we can see how undone we are how broken we are how frail we are how empty we are how much of a nothing we are in his presence we can see his majesty and how much we need him and without him we are nothing we can see his holiness and without him we are sinful you see it was in that moment that Isaiah's revelation brought a a humbleness a humility unto him that brought a profession and a declaration and a proclamation from him his very mouth where he said woe is me God help us today not to walk and march and waltz up into services like this into the presence of the Lord and not have a moment that we feel the convicting power of the Holy Ghost and he puts his finger on places in our life and he says you're broken there you're undone there you're weak there you're sinful there that we don't open our hearts up unto him in humility and declare woe is me woe is me prophet declared those words and when he did it brought an action from heaven and I want to tell you today when you are willing to humble yourself before the Lord it will bring an action from heaven just as a seraphim took a coal off the altar of God. When Jesus died and gave up the ghost, the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom, which signified no longer would we be kept out of the presence of the Lord. And now, when we open our hearts and humble ourselves before God, and we open our mouths to declare our brokenness and our sinfulness, it brings an action from heaven, and the Holy Spirit will move upon us, and the blood of Jesus will wash us and cleanse us, and the fire of the Holy Spirit will 
will rest upon us and just one touch from heaven empowers us to be a vessel of use in these last days that we live in for then the next verse demonstrates heaven's need even, even in these last days we live in as he said I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? The Lord. The Lord is saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go? The Lord is asking a question. The one that is omniscient, that is all-knowing, is asking a question. Who? Who? was really a question of action. It was really a question of a moment of surrender. It was really a question that gave opportunity. It was really a question to see who will be willing. The prophet Isaiah, recognizing that heaven had a need, he declared, here am I. I send me. Here am I. Send me. You see, heaven has a need today. These needs vary. Maybe the need today is in a marriage. Maybe that need is for a husband to step up and be the priest of the home. Not some weak, wimpy excuse of a believer. But step up, men, and be the priest of your home. Maybe that is heaven's need. That if you'll just lead the way, men, your family will follow. If you'll lead the way, and I know not everybody in here is married, so stay with me. I'll get to you in a minute. But for those that are, that are, God has a need in your home, and it starts with the men. Maybe it's for some women. To, bit, to quit being the contentious woman you've always been. Full of strife and bitterness. Fussing day in and day out. Go get on your knees. Put it before the Lord in prayer. Give it to God. Pray over that husband of yours. Plead the blood of Jesus over them. Anoint their pillows. Anoint the bed. Sew prayer cloths in their clothes, in their underwear. Whatever you got to do. But let God use you. The need that is there. Maybe for you, godly wife. Maybe it's for godly mamas today that have quit catering to their children to keep them happy. Catering to their children to keep them as your friend because you don't want them mad at you. So you won't tell them no. So you march them down to do things that you know the Holy Ghost has said don't do it. 
Maybe the he that heaven needs you to be willing to stand up and say, no, you're not doing it. No, I ain't doing it. If you do it, if it happens, it's going to be after you've moved out of this house. After you're grown and gone, you're not doing it. And I'm not, I'm not getting the first amen, but I'm going to preach it anyways. You're going to do it after you're out of here because God's called me to be a godly mama. And if it hair lips the devil and everybody else uh, and if you don't like it, I'm sorry, but I'm going to be the mama God's called me to be because one day I'm going to stand before the Lord and your blood, son, your blood, daughter, ain't going to be on these hands. Daddy. Heaven has a need. Let it start in your home. Some of you have friends in your life. That you just laugh at all of the stuff that they're doing. You post and just go along with all the mess that they're posting about. You do all, you know, it's just all comical and they're on their way to hell. Ever thought maybe heaven has a need for you to be a friend that can show them in the right spirit, in the spirit of love, that you can begin to witness to them and be a voice of truth in their life? I'm gonna say this to you be careful who you associate with. If you're associating with darkness, be careful because darkness will get on you and in you. And there are people that I, that I consider to be folks that are friends in my life that I cannot make them close friends in my life. I can't be around the things that they're doing. I can't be involved in the things that they're doing. I can't condone the thing. I know I'm going a little long, but I'm sorry. I got a lot of preaching in me. I'm fitting to bring this plane down. I, I feel the landing gears coming out right now. Just stay with me just a moment. But I can tell you, there's people that I love dearly, but I can't hang with those folks. For two reasons. Because the things they're doing, I can't be involved in. And two, I don't want to bring a reproach on Jesus, on my witness. Because somebody over here snapped the shot, a, 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 a picture. And now they're posting it on Facebook. And here I am right in the middle of all this sinful junk that's going on. Are you hearing me? And somebody sees it and says, well, I just thought that he was a preacher. I just thought she was a Christian. She must not be. She must backslid me away from God. There comes a point we got to draw the line, but we still can be the Lord's hands extended. Use wisdom. Ask God to give you wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and discretion. But don't allow your good to be evil spoken of. Know where the line draws. Let the discernment of the Holy Spirit be inside of you, but be His hands extended. thankful for our dogs at the house they're good watchdogs they bark really well and we feed them and we love them they do really good little Toby man he makes my little girl happy all that's just wonderful but I'm going to tell you I'm not going to get down on all fours and act like a dog do you hear me I'm talking about sin I, 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 I'm, I'm going to do all I can to reach. We're going to love the sinner but hate the sin. I will love them as long as the day is. And into the night, we'll love them. And we'll be the Lord's hands extended. But there's a line that has to be drawn. What fellowship hath unrighteousness with righteousness? What fellowship hath darkness with light? What fellowship hath the believer with an infidel? What fellowship hath the Son of God with Belial? Are you hearing me? There comes a point we've got to use wisdom. 
Come on, stand with me. I didn't mean to get into all that, but there it is. Does heaven need you today? Does he need you? How many of you know what an icebreaker is? Uh, something breaks the ice. <laughs> I, I've been praying about these altars up here. And I, I'm going to get back to icebreaker in a second, but it's part of it. I've been praying about these altars because I know this is a hard floor. And I want you to know as your pastor, I don't, I don't preach to hear myself. I preach for this moment that we're in, entering into right now. That's this altar service. It's what we call an altar service. It's a portion of the service. And that's that people will respond to the word. That people will come down here. That they'll, they'll kneel if they can, or they'll stand, or they'll sit out. I don't even care. Sit on the side of the platform. Or they'll come over here. That, so I can't tell you through the years... I've never pastored a place that we didn't have carpet on the floor. But I see that as a hindrance, and I'm, I'm approaching that as pastor. Well, how am I going to fix that? Be one more thing's got to be hauled around and set up and stored somewhere. But I, I it's pastor, that shouldn't matter. Well, I, I'm, I'm concerned that it does because it's hard to kneel down on this floor. But I want to ask you not to let that stop you today. If you got to stand and pray, stand and pray. And sometimes you just need somebody to break the ice, to be the first one willing to say, I want the Lord to use me. But in your relationships, in your life, sometimes it just takes one that you can win for Jesus that becomes that icebreaker. And it creates a domino effect of others that begin to come to know Jesus. As Savior. Who today will declare, I want to be used of God? Who today, today will declare, I want the Lord to work in me and to use me? Come down here with me to this altar. If you'll say, that's me. Come on, David. Brother Greg, come on. Come with him. I want the Lord to use me. I want the Lord to use me. I want the Lord to touch me. I want the Lord, I want him to divinely position me. I want him to divinely prepare me. I want him to divinely empower me. Heaven needs you today. Heaven needs you today. There's people that you will be able to reach, but I never can. Who today will declare, heaven, use me. Heaven, use me. I need him today. I need him today. These others that are already come to this altar, wow. Those that have stepped out this morning, 
those that are kneeling, those that are sitting, those that are standing. I feel there are still many others that the Lord wants to draw to these altars today. I want to know, are there some men and women that have step out and say, I want the Lord to use me. I believe there's some single mamas. Oh, that maybe you've given up on some things in your family because you're tired and you're weary. But I want to tell you today, the Lord sees you and he's going to give you the strength that you need in this moment, in this hour. Heaven needs you. Let him use you today. Some single men in this place, let heaven use you today. I want to ask all over this place, from side to side, can we come and flood these altars and let the Lord work on us? Let the Lord work in us. Let the Lord touch us. Come on, teenagers. Are there any young people here that want God to use you? If you do, get out from where you're standing. Get out from where you're sitting and walk down to these altars and let's pray and let's cry out unto the Lord and let's believe him to work in us today. Heaven needs us. Can we declare this morning, here am I, Lord. Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. Hallelujah. Here am I. Send me. I love that passage of Scripture uh, where the prophet Isaiah just avails himself and makes himself willing uh, to be used to the Lord. And I pray today that this message has ministered to you as you've listened to it. And I, and, and I want, I'm believing that it's challenged you and stirred you for the Lord to use you right where you are. And no matter in what place of, of or, or path of life that you're on, um, just know that the Lord can use you and he wants to use you. When we talk of heaven having a need, uh, there's there's needs all around us, and uh, there may be somebody that you work with that the Lord needs somebody that would be a willing vessel to share his love with that person. Uh, maybe if you are a teenager, maybe it's a student that sits by you in class, and you've taken notice of them, and, and you know that they're struggling and they're battling, and you know what? Heaven needs somebody that will share the love of Jesus with that student, that fellow student that that you see every day. So today, I just pray that that as you've listened to this message, that the Holy Spirit is, has just challenged you to, to step to a place of, of total availability to let the Lord use you. You know, none of us in ourselves are, are capable. We're not adequate. We need the Lord. We need the strength of the Lord. We need the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. But as we yield ourselves to Him, and we look back at all that he's brought us through, we can recognize, you know what, our testimony of his goodness, of his faithfulness, of his healing, of his, the victory that comes through him, it may very well be what he will use to touch somebody else's life, to change somebody else, to bring them into the kingdom. And so I want to pray for you and believe the Lord to come and just to minister to you right now, right where you are. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person that is listening to this podcast. And Lord, those that, that have found themselves at a place, Lord, that, that maybe they feel like they can't. Maybe they feel unworthy. Maybe they feel incapable. But today, Lord, as, as, as they're listening to this, Lord, if, if their heart isn't right with you, I, I pray that you'll draw them to that place of surrender. 
But, Lord, if, if they are in right relationship, then I ask you today to let there be that outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon their lives. And, and, and Lord, begin to empower them. Give them the boldness that they need. Or just as Solomon said, Lord, let them be as bold as a lion. And, God, use them where they're at, whether it's at home with a spouse that's not saved or children that aren't saved or, or whether it's in relationships such as with neighbors, uh, with, with friends, with coworkers. Lord, use them to be your voice and your hands and your feet extended uh, in this life that they're living. We just place them in your hands. We pray, God, that you'll just give them your perspective, that you need them to be willing vessels. Empower us and help us to be all that you need us to be and have called us to be. We believe you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Pastor Hayden, I, you know, I, I think about you. I think about your life. He was called to preach at a young age, uh, you know, saved and filled with the Holy Spirit at a young age, and then called to preach at a young age. And 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 you you actually, you know, you went a number of years after you were called to preach before you you really stepped into that place of ministry. Um, but I watched you in your high school years and and doing all you could to minister to your friends, and and I'm thankful for how God has has worked in your life and and. You know, you're still a young guy. You're just 21, um, but man, God's using you, and and I'm thankful for that. Um, you know, let's let's address real quick. And the reason I was bringing that up is is let's address real quick the young adults right now. There, you know, there's just a young generation of of young men, young ladies. Um, how can God use them in this day and in this hour that we're in? How how can you know what what do they need what does their perspective need to be as they're going forward in life right now whether they're married or not married um you know how can god use them in these last days i think a perspective could be just i want to reach others mm-hmm. or i want to grow the kingdom i want to i want to do whatever i can to reach the ones that are close to me the ones that i know need Jesus, mm-hmm. um, especially the ones that are getting saved and been saved for a few months now, just living a life that God expects expects us to live, especially in with living in freedom, but also living in, you know, especially about this message, being humble yeah. and just learning that um, whatever we do and every every step we take with God is, you know, it needs to be in the, in holiness, the right, yeah, yeah, needs to be in holiness. And, and I think just, what do you, why do you feel like some don't share their faith and, and allow themselves to be used to the Lord? Is it, I think a lot of times and you can look back at it and especially I've, I've seen it over and over. It's just, is it a fear? It's a fear. It, it is a fear. That's yeah. what I was going to say. And, Sometimes people and young adults are scared of losing relationships. I've lost relationships that that it's it's killed me, but God's made me stronger in it. Yeah. But I think you it losing is, relationships as far as because when you when you make this, that the stand up for Christ. Yes, yeah. just standing up for Him and making sure. And you actually you talked about it in your message yesterday about you cannot be friends with certain people. 
because it brings a reproach on you and the ministry and it brings a reproach on just what it looks like. And they're like, thought you were I a think, pastor. Yeah, and I think that you you know, you can show the love of the Lord and you can extend the love of Christ to people, but there as far as your inner circle, sometimes yes, you, and, you've got to draw and, that line and have to be careful. And that's where that fear comes into play where they don't and it it'll shock you but some people don't want to give up certain things or certain people because you know they yeah it's all they've known or it's all they have sometimes yeah well i just pray today that this has challenged some folks and stirred some folks it's up. challenged and, me i yeah. know that for sure yeah well um i pray that you'll go forward from this moment and just let the lord use you you know if he can take a colt and I love that part that had never been ridden on, and Jesus can take that colt. Now I, I, I'm not. We're not horse people. I've, I've, I've ridden horses before, but scare me to death. But I, but I do know that um, you know one that has never been ridden has to be broke. And so you know the thing is about that colt is that um, you know with in the hands of Jesus. The Lord took that colt and used that colt for an incredible purpose, and I believe that's how He can use us as well for an incredible purpose. So I want to encourage you just to, you know, make yourself available to the Lord. Ask Him to show you those that are around you that He would have you begin to minister to and 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 to share the love of the Lord with, and and He will. He'll show you just that. Just make yourself available, just as Isaiah said, "Say, here am I, send me." Amen. Praise the Lord. So before, just before we uh, we leave you today. Uh, you know, this next Sunday is Easter Sunday, and we're excited about that. We want to invite you to come be with us next Sunday. We are at the PDL Old Gym, and I know that every, not everyone knows where that's at, but uh, a lot of folks know where Ponce Leon Springs is, and we're actually on the road right there to Ponce Leon Springs. Not hard to find. Ponce de Leon is not a big place, um, but we're just off the interstate. You can get to us pretty easy, but we're here in the Old Gym. We'd love to have you come be with us next Sunday as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, and uh, we're excited about it. Our young people have got a drama uh, ready to go. We're going to have some special music, and then uh, the message as well, and we're just going to have a great, great time in the Lord together. Now, before we get to Sunday, we've also got Wednesday Night Encounter at 6.30. Come be a part of that. And then Friday night is a special event for our young people. I wanted uh, Pastor Hayden to expound on that real quick. Friday night, um, we had the idea uh, to do just a little youth get-together right here at the gym. And we are actually doing a youth escape room. It is going to be based on um, the, the death and the resurrection of Christ. It's, it's just going to be awesome. We're going to put the teams together. and they're going to be Sounds like lots yeah, of fun. It is going to be fun. And they got to... It, on top of them having fun, they're going to be learning and, and getting details about what actually happened in those last days of Jesus. And oh, it's yeah. just going to be it's going to be awesome and um, getting that set up. But that's April 15th, this Friday night from 6 to 8. So you can, if eight. you have young people, you want to bring them or if, even if you What's want to ages? come. What's the ages? What's the ages for them? Uh, the 6th to 12th Yeah, we can grade. do 6 to 12th, but if parents want to come and just hang out with us. They can do that too. We're going to do pizza and um, we're going to do some drinks and stuff like that. Just have here ready and just great time of fellowship and fun. So throw out real quick just before we go, and I know time is gone, but just before we go, and I know that we don't have everything finalized, but just to throw it out there, we are planning a youth camp yes. for this summer. Yes, uh, we are. Yes, we are. We uh, 
the Lord has blessed us and blessed the youth group and um, especially God sending families to Cross Point with kids and sometimes it's sometimes more than lots two or three <laughs> or four right now we have a family with six yeah so and even eight kids but lord is blessing us and right now we're just trying to figure out what we want to do for youth camp um trying to find a camp for ourselves you know yeah just and we're, we've got our eyes them. on some places that are yeah. local and yep. so it wouldn't be long trips away uh it, it it's just it's really going to be a great time for our kids, and we'll get more information on that in the days ahead. So thank you so much for being with us today. God bless you. We appreciate you joining us for our podcast. Uh, thank you so much. We hope to be back with you next week, okay? If you're looking for a church home, come join us here at Cross Point Sundays at 10, Wednesday evenings at 630. God bless you. Have a great day.